just to, as we teach the word of God, to give place to the word of God in our lives and to worship the Lord and to seek him and, and to you know, wait upon him and see what the Lord does. Sometimes uh, there won't be any great move. It's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit does something and everybody all of a sudden, you know, is, you know, uh, speaking in tongues. We'll be teaching on that, that really in the life of a church, when you, you think about the gift of tongues, you know, the Bible is very explicit on how we're to operate. Um, how many have a Pentecostal background or you've, again, I've asked this before, there's a few of you and you, how many have been in a, in a church setting where everybody in the whole service was singing or speaking in tongues? Raise your hand. Okay. So a few of you as well. And, you know, again, not knocking that. I mean, there's a place, you know, obviously the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts and the, and the Bible teaches about, uh, especially the gift of tongues. And, and it's pretty explicit, pretty clear in scripture. It says if there's a gathering like this, what we call a church gathering, you know, that there would be, if there is a tongue where someone speaks in a language that's unbeknownst to them, it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life. And we'll, we'll talk more about it as we get to that, uh, specific gift. But, uh, it says, let it be by two or three at the most. And uh, then let there be an interpretation so that the body can be edified. Because the problem with the gift of tongues, and if there's a problem with it, it's that if there's someone speaking in a tongue, well, that tongue for the most part is unknown to everybody who's hearing it. It'd be like if we had somebody came and they taught from the pulpit and they taught in, in Japanese. And, you know, there's a couple of you that can, you know, understand Japanese. But for the rest of us, you know, we'd be going... And we wouldn't have any, there's no, the Bible says there's no edification. There's no, there's no pleasure or joy that we can have in it because we don't understand anything that's being said. Well, it's the same thing with the gift of tongues. And so we need somebody to interpret. And so as the Bible teaches again in 1 Corinthians, it says, let everything that we do in the church be done decently and in order. And so it's one of those opportunities, like I said, looking, especially as we look into our tomorrows and we think about, you know, another generation of, of youth being raised up and, and, you know, I don't want to ever be a, a church where, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are stifled, you know, where we just don't see the exercise of God's spirit in the life of the church. And we can do that. It's real easy to do. We can become dogmatic or we can become not legalistic, but we can become very ritual oriented or we just become comfortable in, you know, the things that we do and tradition. And next thing you know, it's just, we just do things this, the way that we feel comfortable. And how many by a show of hands have found in your life that walking with God isn't always comfortable? You've, you've found that to be true. Yeah. Um, and one of the things is, you know, is being open to the Holy Spirit in our life. And I know that that makes people uncomfortable because, and I know a few of you that you're very detail oriented and, you know, and it's very difficult to allow the Holy Spirit to, to really move because you want to know what one, two, three, four, five, six. And so you have a tendency to reject the things of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, that's not, a, you know, a, knocking you personally. It's just an understanding of how we're wired and, uh, you know, not being open because, you know, again, it, within, not because of the Holy Spirit in you, but because of your own personality, the way that you're wired, it's not comfortable. And, and we, we have this tendency to think that the things of God really make us comfortable or we want it to make us comfortable. And we forget that much of, you know, what goes on within Christianity isn't comfortable at all. You know, again, our savior, who's our model, you know, ultimately went to a cross where he suffered and he died. We think of the word passion and it means suffering, you know, to suffer for the cause of Christ, you know, to share. It's why people don't evangelize. We think about the gift of evangelism. People go, oh, God hasn't given me that gift. And it's not that he hasn't given you that gift. We don't want that gift. And we reject it because we know that sometimes when we share our faith, because we've seen what happens, we've, we've watched somebody share their faith and then walk away and then listen to the murmuring or the talking behind their back and making fun of them. And we go, man, I don't want people to do that. You know, life's difficult enough. Or maybe they got ostracized or maybe they got criticized or maybe they ultimately, you know, got fired from a job because they were, they were devout in their faith, that they were really open. And, and maybe there was a part of you that went, Man, you know, I wish I loved Jesus like that. 
I know many times in my life where I've been around people who have been very open about their faith, you know, in public places. I shared with you years ago, you know, the first time I ever went to a Costco when it first opened up and I had a guy that was very open about public prayer. And he, and he had asked me and I knew he was a believer and, and I, he said, hey, is there anything I can pray for? You know, and we asked that, you know, that's sometimes can either be genuine Christian relationship, you know, where we pray for one another and, or it can be Christianese, right? They go, Hey, is anything I can pray for you? And, you know, and we don't even think about it after we say it, we just go on for, get all about, it. well, this guy wasn't one of those guys. So he asked me, he said, Hey, is there anything I can pray for? And I, yeah, you know, stuff's going on. I got, you know, my kids are, you know, are sick and da 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 this and that, and, you know, shared a few things with them. And so I'm like, okay. And he stops right there. He puts his hand on my shoulder right in the Costco and he lifts his hand towards heaven. And he starts praying out loud. And he's got a deep voice. It's like, he's like, he's got one of those soothing deep voices like John Jones. It'd be like John Jones, just if you need a visual of this friend of mine, it'd be like John Jones praying over you in Costco. And, and, and John not being bashful, which John isn't, and just have that voice that's projected, you know, from aisle 30 all the way to the cash register, you know, and you're going, and he's going, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring my friend Mike to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm honest. I'm doing this. I got one eye open and I'm scanning the Costco and everybody's looking at me. And I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, cause I remember I went out to my van and I, I literally, I didn't cry, but I mean, I was ashamed of myself of how little faith I really had. I, 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 I talked a good game. Like I had a lot of faith, but it kind of got put to the test there. And it was really young in my, in my faith actually. And so I'm looking around and I can see people are looking and I mean, I'm, I'm getting hot flashes. I mean, I'm, I am sweating and I'm just like, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm melting, you know, it's like, and he just keeps going. He starts in Genesis like 1-1. I mean, we got, you know, I don't think we got to the New Testament, but, you know, finally he's like, you know, an amen. And I'm just like, whew. But he had, you know, it wasn't just a boldness. It, he, the gifts of the God spirit flowing through his life. He had faith. And I, like I said, and I went out to my van and I sat there and I was like, God, I want faith like that. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want to be timid in, in telling people about your love. You know, we live in a world, and you, and you know it, I mean, you have people in your life just like I do that are dying without Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, you know, once said that he wished, in letters to his students, he wished that any man that would go into the ministry, that he could take that man and hang him over the pit of hell for 24 hours, literally hang him over the pit of hell, so that he could understand the severity of the penalty of rejecting Jesus Christ, so that, that there would be a passion when he would go to the pulpit and proclaim the word of God, that it wouldn't be just a feel-good, hey, you know, guys, is knowing that, that heaven and hell hang in the balance, you know, in every message in every sermon and that you and I would be driven with that kind of passion, with that realization, knowing, you know, that if people don't have Jesus Christ in their life, then what their fate's going to be. You know, growing up in, a, in Calvary Chapel, you know, has been for me, I mean, it's why I'm still here. It's the, it's the best thing. And I mean, I've, I've served in a Pentecostal church and, and I've been to, you know, all kinds of, I mean, I love John MacArthur and he's as far as the opposite as you can possibly get, went to, you know, his, you know, conferences, for, you know, for years, uh, when we weren't a, a Calvary chapel and we were, uh, our name at that time was Westbrook chapel. And we were somewhere between a four square. We used to go down to Jack Hayford's church and go to his, so there was more Pentecostal and, and I was doing youth ministry and, and, uh, I really liked John MacArthur. I was just learning to, to, teach and to preach and to study. And he just had, you know, the greatest, uh, tools that were available. And when you go to their conference, he'd give you like, you know, every book that he's ever written, you know? And, uh, so it was one of those things that, you know, I just felt like I had a really good foundation. I knew the things that were of Calvary Chapel. I knew what the Pentecostals, you know, believed. I knew what the Baptists believe. And, and I, what I really loved about pastor Chuck, you know, is he was, he called he called Calvary Chapel Bapticostals. That's, that's what he's called. He called us. He said, we're Bapticostals. He goes, our doctrine, our theology is really Baptist, but with a, with a bend towards, you know, Pentecostalism. He came out, Pastor Chuck actually himself, he was part of the Foursquare denomination, like New Life Center down the street. Very open to spiritual gifts, but he saw the abuses of it. He saw how, you know, again, reading the Bible, 
and then looking at the practice, because one of the things as we get into this and we, we make this, you know, part of the life of our church, you know, more and more being open to what God wants to do is the framework of what God wants to do is always by the word of God. It's kind of like what you can say is if you see Jesus doing it, remember the old bracelet, you know, what would Jesus do, you know, years ago? It's, it's kind of like that. So there's nothing to be fearful of, you know, it's like because the, the framework of how we'll operate is only and it's limited to what we see in scripture. I've had pastors tell me in the, in the Pentecostal bend, and I, I respect them and I love them, but they would tell me, you know, in this kind of a fun, you know, kind of way, they go, hey, Mike, and I just remember one in particular, he said to me, he said, Mike, just know this. And it's kind of cool. I like, I like what he said, and you'll understand it. He looks at me and he goes, not everything God does is on the menu. And I'm like, I like to eat. So I was like, whoa, that is awesome. So, you know, but it gives you that place. What he was trying to say was, you know, we do things that aren't necessarily in the word of God. And I, and I give that, I, I understand that there is a place in that. God, you know, are we going to limit God? I mean, in the truest sense, can, can God do whatever he wants to do? Yeah. But what he can't do is violate his word. When he says he holds his word above his name, it's not like he, he's holding the Bible you know, over him. It's that they're one and the same. It's the same when Jesus said, if you don't believe the, the things that I do, he said, just believe the words that I speak because they're, they're synonymous. He, we can say of Jesus, he walked the walk and he talked the talk. So when we think about and talk about spiritual gifts, it's not because there's this thing of going, uh, you know, we need to have this emotional, and, it, and, and, it, and a lot of times, you know, there's, when you look at personalities, if you look at people in general, um, a lot of times people that tend to be more um, feeling oriented will tend to really uh, enjoy uh, more of a Pentecostal bend. Those that are analytical, I mean, again, if you just study statistical information you know, with regard to, you know, those that make up, you know, different uh, denominations, they, they really, you know, you'll see a lot more, you know, Baptist, you know, and, and Lutheran um, of just studying and really, you know, holding to what they believe, you know, in the word of God. There's a place for everything. That's the beauty of it. There really is. And, and it's part of growing together and, and appreciating the diversity. See, unity, you know, isn't you know, it doesn't happen because the gifts are exercised. I, I want you to understand that right, right away because the gifts already flow here. There, there's already, there, there's every, almost every gift is being utilized tonight on this campus, but that doesn't make unity. Unity happens because of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is what brings unity. The gifts are our opportunity. I love that expression that says, you know, uh, you know, God, gave you, your life is God's gift to you, okay? And what you do with your life is your gift to God. And, and, and again, that can be, the world can say that, but within the church, it's understanding that God has given us spiritual gifts. He's given us ways that we can minister to one another in a spiritual sense that makes us completely unique you know, and different from the world. And you have to understand this because, you know, what did Jesus go to the cross for? He went to the cross for his bride. He went to the cross for every single person who had ever come to know him as Savior and Lord. He died for them, that they could experience eternal life and know him and know the Father and know the Holy Spirit, to have a personal relationship. And so in teaching on, you know, spiritual gifts, you know, my, my heart's desire is that it gives us an opportunity to minister to one another. You know, that, that's, you know, there's no secret. I mean, I, I, I would hope, you know, I'm not going to ask you this because I understand this. I know not everybody knows what their spiritual gift is. But I want you to know if you're in Christ tonight, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you have at least one spiritual gift. And we'll, we'll read that tonight. You might have more. Some of you have multiple gifts. And yet the beauty of it is when you think about the gifts and we can look at that and we can go, oh, you know, I, I wish I had that gift. You know, I always tell you this and Paul said, he said in first Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? He said, earnestly desire the greatest gifts, right? We should, we should be wanting spiritual gifts. I hope tonight. And as we walk through these, it'll, it'll, it'll do something in your heart. We're on your own. You'll study and you'll go back and you'll study spiritual gifts. You'll look at first Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians four other places in scripture. And you'll just start going, man, I, God, I, I want the greatest gift. And I want you to know the greatest gift that's needed in the life of any church 
is the gift that's needed at that time. And that's the beauty of God because the Bible says whenever two or three people gather in his name, he's right there, right? He's there. And, and God wants to manifest himself in our presence. He wants us to know that he's here, that he's moving amongst us. He wants people to be healed. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to grow. He wants people to be and understand forgiveness. He wants people to understand, you know, love and peace and joy and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, all the fruit of his spirit. He, he wants us to experience those things. Church should be in the truest sense, the best thing that we've got going this side of heaven. And you go, why isn't it? And you go, well, a lot of times because we're not living and walking in the Holy Spirit. We're living and walking in our flesh. And so a lot of times the teaching on this, the, the first of the month, is just to bring us back to a place and remind us of the glory that's ours, that's in Christ. Not just in heaven, you know, one day, but now to understand that, you know, that for you and for me, that Jesus died for us. Not that we would just have heaven, but then in a sense, as the gifts get exercised, we'd get that, it's like a slice of heaven right now. It's like heaven on earth. And I don't know about you, but that, that excites me. I mean, I love, you know, when I'm aware of God's presence, which, you know, I think if we're really honest, you know, a lot of us would go, man, I, I'm not really, I love God. And you could say, I, and I do. And you go, but I don't really feel his presence all throughout the day. You go, and I get that. And you go, then other, some other people, they, they act like, you know, Jesus is, you know, like, Right there with them, right? How many saw the movie The War Room? You know, yeah, you have that kind of relationship. You got to, you know, that you are, you pray so much that, I mean, it's just like you feel and you sense, you know, the, the peace and the presence of God, you know, everywhere that you go, that you're attuned to him. You know, I, I share with you often, you know, from this pulpit, you know, as the psalmist declared, he said, you know, the children of Israel knew the acts of God, right? They, they got to see what God did, and we get to see what God did, almost like it's past tense. But he said, but Moses knew his ways. Moses had a friendship with God that Moses was on the in. I mean, we all kind of like to be on the in, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like to, to know things before everybody else, and one, that's the beauty of prophecy. God's given, you know, Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He wants us to know what's happening in the world. That's why we don't have to be fearful today. We see all the things that are happening in the world, and people are probably even asking you if they know that you're a Christian. They go, what do you think about all this stuff that's going on in the world? I mean, it's like the whole world's falling apart. I mean, it's not just in the United States. It's in China. It's in Hong Kong. You know, it's in Europe. I mean, it's the United Kingdom. It's every place that you go, you know, on this planet. You go, and they're going, you know, what do you think's happening? You go, <laughs> people get ready. You go, Jesus is coming back. And the real question is, you know, are we ready? If he came tonight, you know, would I be ready? I love, you know, the fact that, you know, as we, we think and, and, and share on, on spiritual gifts, that hopefully it'll be a challenge to you to look within your own heart. Are you open to all that God has for you? Or have you kind of set your own perimeters that you found your comfort level? Or maybe you're here tonight and you go, man, I feel like I'm just kind of stagnant, you know, my relationship, that it's not really passionate because it should be. You know, God wants us to have a passionate relationship with him. He wants us to, we, to be excited. I mean, to think, I mean, think about this, that you and I have the opportunity to talk to the creator of heaven and earth. Like I, I've said, you know, you can think of your favorite movie star, you know, actor, actors, you know, uh, actress, you know, favorite, you know, musician, you know, artist, you know, anybody in life, author, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, that you'd go, wow, I wish I could meet this person. Like people will say, if you could meet any person living or dead, you know, who would you meet? You know, oh, I'd love to meet them. And, and you think, you know, you try to call them and they're, they're a real person, right? And you go, man, if I could just talk to them. And you couldn't get through if you wanted to. Victor sometimes shares with me about how he's figured out how to get through to the White House. He's got a number, you know, and he knows how to, to work it and, you know, and get in and get a message to, that he's praying for, you know, the president. So if you want to figure out how to get to the president, talk to Victor. Victor can, you know, he can, you know, help you, you know, understand maybe a little better how to do that. But I can tell you how you can connect with, you know, the God of heaven and earth. How you can get in touch with him 
and, and have a relationship with him to the place that you're going, you know, God who created this entire world that he is mindful of you. And he's very much aware of what you're going through in this life. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to, he knows, you know, the way that you were formed. I mean, if you, you know, again, if you're a note taker tonight, you know, go home and read this tonight before you go to bed. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, but I want you to, to read Psalm 139. Read Psalm 139 and try to let that sink in to your heart and mind, that God is so mindful of you. David was so overwhelmed with the love of God for him and for you. You think about that personally, individually. I want you to think about what I'm about to say. To really, if this could set in tonight, that if you were the only person who ever lived on the face of this earth, Jesus Christ would have died for you. That's, that's how important you are to God. If you were the only person who ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. I don't know if you know how much, you know, God loves you. But my hope is as we study the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you begin to not only receive, but to exercise those gifts. You know, they say in the world, you know, if you do find something that you like to do, you know, you'll never work another day in your life, right? That, that's for the world. You go, but think about for the body of Christ. I mean, to think that, you know, you, and, and probably if we're honest, we've all laid in bed at night and went, why am I here? Matter of fact, there's so much suicide, you know, as the rate of suicide is growing so rapidly in this country. There's probably many of us that are in this sanctuary tonight that are going, you know, I wonder if anybody would miss me if I was gone. You probably have friends. You probably have family. You probably have somebody in your life that you're connected to that has taken their life. And it's made you think and go, you know, why am I here? I was having a conversation today. I don't know if you, if you get our uh, devotional. I do a devotional called Real Life with Pastor Mike. And uh, I did a, uh, on a young boy. His name was Jesse. And I want to I tell you about that because it, it was a situation in my own life where I got to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in a way that I didn't even know. It was unbeknownst to me. I, I usually, when I write about something, it happens usually two ways. Usually it comes from a conversation that I have with someone and it just settles in my mind and, it, and it's important to me or it's something I think is of value to other people. And I'll take a note of that sometimes like right after a service and somebody will share something, I'll write it down. And I just think about it and then I'll get up maybe the next morning and I'll think about a verse of scripture that, you know, correlates or corresponds to it. And, and I'll write something about that. Or I'll just in my morning devotional, whatever verse of scripture, you know, I'm reading, I'll just take that verse and, and I'll just write about it. And, and today, today was a really interesting moment in time. I was sitting there in my chair and I got my laptop out and I prayed and I was like, nothing came to me to write about. I had nothing on my mind to, to write down. There was no scripture that, that I was thinking of to write about. There was no, you know, incident that had occurred. And I found myself just typing. And I was actually laughing at myself out loud. And I was thinking to myself, this is really weird. I go, I'm typing sentences that I have no idea where I'm going. And so I just kept going and, and all of a sudden it dawned on me what I was writing about, but it, it even, it took me back. It was just one of those things where I, it's never happened in my entire life of all the years and years of, of writing devotionals and writing never once has this happened. And then it happened today. So I'm writing and I end up, I'm writing about this young boy, my nephew, Lee's brother's son. They live in Oxnard. And he had a friend that was 16 years old, his age, that committed suicide last week. 16 years old, took his life. And all of his friends, if you read, you know, the, the articles in the paper about him, is that it took everybody by surprise. 
because he was like the life of the party. He was the one that when you were hurting, he was the one that would come and sit with you. He was the one that would make your burden his burden. He was the one that, you know, was inclusive, that tried to bring everybody in. It didn't dawn on anybody at all that this would be somebody that had inner turmoil, that somebody was struggling, somebody was suffering. And so I find myself, you know, writing about this so I finish it. So I, I'm thinking, okay, I need to put a picture with it. So I Googled his name and I found a picture from, from the memorial service. And so I went and put that on there. And then I read the obituary and it said a couple things that really spoke to me. So I went back and I, I added it actually into what I was going to write about. And then I just hit the, you know, the send button and I send it out. And maybe an hour later, my wife text me and she says, you know, hey, that was a really good devotional. I'm going to send it to Billy um, to give to his son, Miles. And I said, yeah, I go, you know, thanks, honey. I said, but it was just really weird. I go, this was the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. I said, I had no idea. I go, I didn't set out to write about this kid who I don't even know. I go, I was just looking back and it wasn't like I, God told me to do this. It was I didn't hear anything. It wasn't like God said, okay, you just start typing and I'll start, you know, you know, channeling through you, you know, and it wasn't like that at all. But looking back, I'm going, I know that it was God because it wasn't me. And so then what was really strange, this is the thing that was my, you know, do, 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 do thing was I was, went on Instagram a couple hours later and Miles had posted something. He didn't know anything that I had written, but he posted, happy birthday, Jesse. And I looked that night and it was like, it was his birthday. It would have been his birthday today. And I just sat there and it was like, man, I just had tears running down my face. I was like, God, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to, to do this. I don't know. I have no idea who you have this for, I don't know who's supposed to get it. I don't know who's supposed to read it. But I know that I know it's you and I know that you want to use it. And all of a sudden I started hearing from people that had read it. And normally, you know, if I hear from one or two people, that's, you know, that's a really good day, you know. And this is, you know, like numbers of people. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, I'm going, okay, so God's, I don't know. And I, to this moment, I don't know what he's doing with it. I don't know how he'll use it, but it was one of those things I went, wow, you know, and to think that, you know, it, it was the young man's birthday and it wasn't like I was mindful of him at all. I, it was just one of these things that just happened. So I know it was in my mind someplace cause I had, I had read it last week and, uh, but it wasn't like it was a discussion within our family or anything. Cause like I said, they they, they live over at the coast. I didn't you know, know the young man or anything, but it's those things that in those moments you sit and you think about how the Holy spirit operates and what the Holy spirit does. And my hope is as we walk through spiritual gifts is that you, you come to understand, you know, the Holy spirit is a person and the Bible says that he gives gifts as he wills and that he is, you know, desirous to work in our lives in such a way to make Jesus manifest. Remember, Jesus said when the Holy Spirit was given, that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus taught. You know, we don't see him, but he's always working behind. So as I'm, as I was doing this today and stuff, I, I realized, you know, gosh, thank you, Holy Spirit, you know, God, God, the Spirit is moving all the time in our lives. Most of the time, like I said, unbeknownst to us. And that's why I want to really encourage you for yourself is to go read Psalm 139 and be aware, you know, maybe for the first time of that God is working in everything. He knows you, that he fashioned you. The Bible says, while you were still yet in your mother's womb, when there was nothing to you, there was no substance to you, God already had you in mind. And understand this, and in that he has created within you gifts of his spirit, gifts from God that he is desirous to bring in. And you don't even, for some of you, and for all of us in the truest sense, we don't even possess all the gifts that God has for us. 
because they're not, they're not man-made. It's not like you're going to read a book and, and all of a sudden you're going to start moving in this particular area. They're manifestations of God that he moves as he wills. He bestows gifts as he wills in situations. And like I said, what is the, the gift that's needed? It's the gift that's needed tonight. If someone was here and they came down and they said, Pastor Mike, you know, I've got cancer. And somebody who believes that, you know, that in that moment, I'm not saying, you know, people will claim, I have the gift of healing. Well, it's not an office. And what I mean by an office, it's not a gift that stays upon you. There's no person that has the gift of healing, you know, that's in their hand, that they lay hands, everybody's healed. Because if they, if they have that gift, shame on them. Because there's hospitals that are full of people. If they had that gift, they literally should be walking down the rows at every hospital and setting people free in the name of Jesus. It's a manifestation that God bestows in the moment that he desires to bring it. I remember as an example, one, uh, this probably happened in my life maybe one or two times. We were at a, a retreat down in Los Angeles and there was a group of us and all the guys were in one room and the girls were in another and we were sleeping in sleeping bags on the floor and the guy next to me he said hey Mike he said man can you pray for me and I said yeah what's up and he goes man I'm, I'm burning up I got a fever and I put my hand on him and I could feel that he was hot and I said yeah let me pray for you and and when I placed my hand on him my hand got hot and I was thinking as I was praying I go is that his body heat from having a fever, you know, that, but my hand was hotter than him. And I didn't say anything, I, but I was thinking about it. And I, so I started just praying and I just prayed that, you know, simple prayer, God, just heal him. And, you know, in the name of Jesus. And, and he said, Hey, thanks. And then he rolls over. And then about five minutes later, he goes, Hey, and I go, what? And he goes, let me ask you something. And he goes, uh, this might seem weird. He goes, was your hand hot? And I go, yeah. I go, could you feel it? And he goes, yeah, it was the weirdest thing. He goes, all of a sudden, man, he goes, like, it, like your hand was on fire. I go, I felt it. I go, I thought it was you. I thought it was because you were hot, you know, and, it was, and we both started laughing. And he goes, Mike, he goes, my fever's gone. He goes, and so we're like, we're both sitting there and we're going, praise God. And we're kind of laughing. You know, we're just laying there laughing. We didn't go, you know, and I go, oh, I got to get up. Hey, anybody else need, anybody else need healing? I've got, I've got healing in my hand right now. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. As quickly as it comes, it's gone, you know, but it's being open. And so my, my heart, my I, that I hope that you're open to what God wants to do. Because again, what he wants to do is up to him. It's just that we be a people that say, God, I, I, want, I want the greater gifts. I want whatever it is that you have for me. And to think that, you know, he, and again, if you're not exercising your gift tonight, because like I said, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. That that, that gift is needed within the body of Christ because the, the Bible tells us that when we exercise the gifts, we do so for the edifying of the body, to build up the body of Christ in love. And the church suffers today because many people don't exercise their gifts. And think about that. I mean, you know, I made myself a note. I, I have a friend who, who uh, is a great editor, helped me write the book that I wrote about uh, Danielle's, you know, One Extraordinary Life. And uh, her name's Dana, and she's a good friend, and, and uh, she's just a great editor, a great writer. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get a hold of her. I go, because th this sparked something within me. I go, I, I want to write a book about uh, a father who, who gives everything, sells everything that he has to purchase gifts for his children. And his children open the gifts, but that they don't appreciate the gifts. They get it, but they don't get it. And they don't see the, the it's like, why would dad get me this? And they just kind of shelf it. And then as it ties in later in their life, you know, they'll, they'll figure out that, oh, dad knew me. Dad knew everything about me and he knew what I would become. And this gift wasn't just for like a three-year-old child. This gift was something that would carry me all throughout my life and would minister to me because that's the beauty of the, of the gifts of God. The calling of God that he's placed upon our life, the Bible says, is without reproach. He doesn't take it back. But we can shelf it. That's the problem. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you aren't exercising that gift. I want you to realize it would be like someone gave you a gift 
that loved you so much and sold everything to give you that gift. And you took the gift and you opened it, but you didn't really go, well, I don't know how to use it. So, all right, I'm just going to take it and put it over here. You go, how would that make that person feel? And there's a reason why I share this. You go, and I use those words specifically. How would it make that person feel? See, this is how we know that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You can't grieve an it. You can only grieve a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. And he's personal. And he wants you and I to get to know him. And that's why I want to spend time at least once a month and we can teach on it and then give you opportunity in a lot of different ways to exercise those gifts. Other people have share, other people to be able to take the, that moment and say, you know, does, does somebody have, you know, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy? You know, is there a tongue? And not to be, you know, afraid to exercise the gifts, to allow the flow. And again, like I said, but within the framework of God's word. If we see it in the Bible, then you go, it's good. If we don't, then again, that doesn't mean that God can't go outside the lines. I, he, he does all the time. He's the one who created the lines, but it'll always look like Jesus. It'll always line up with Jesus and it'll never be one of those things that you go, hmm, you know, um, now you could do that because you go, I don't understand. And, and we'll spend some time talking about those things as well as we go along. But to give you more than anything is an opportunity to pray and to ask and to receive, to receive the gifts of God. Because again, if, if you and I, if tonight, if all of us, we just said, you know what, God, I, I want the gifts that you have for me and I want to use the gifts that you have for me. I can tell you this, our church will never be the same. It'll never be the same. Jesus changed the world with 12 people. I mean, can you imagine if all of us used our gifts, what that would do for our church, for our church family, for the building up of our faith? I'm not talking about numerical growth. I'm talking about just spiritual health and well-being that you and I could lay in bed at night and go, you know, I can tell you this tonight, I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to be going, Lord, thank you for today. This is one of the most exciting days of my life. I told my wife, you know, I've written a lot of devotionals. I go, this one will go down, you know, unless God tops, you know, after today as one of my all-time favorite because it's the only one I know that I didn't write. That I go, I know that, you know, it was God. He used me. I got to be, you know, the conduit. That's, that's what, it's one of the exciting things that we talk about being used of God. Understand this, God gets all the glory for everything good that we do, amen? Because if you think about it, all, all we really are is like PVC pipe. God wants to flow through your life, but we don't celebrate the PVC, right? You know, it's, you celebrate what goes through it and that's the Holy Spirit flowing. We celebrate God and all that he does. We're just going, Lord, we, we lay there like Psalm 139. That's why I want you to read it, that you're going, oh my gosh, Lord, that you would use me, that you would use me. Lord, that you would be mindful of me. Why? And then like David said, and those thoughts are so wonderful because you start to realize because he loves you and he loved you so much that he went to a cross and he died for you. It's powerful, isn't it? And I hope it impacts our life. If you have a Bible, turn with me, if you would, real quick to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to read you a few passages of Scripture and give you an opportunity to just to dwell on these things tonight and then just spend some time, you know, just waiting on the Lord, just enjoying His presence tonight. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, okay? And I want you to, I want you to think about that for a second. And Paul says, I don't, want you, I don't want you to be ignorant. He's talking to the saints there in Corinth, and he's, you know, telling them, I don't want you to be ignorant of, of spiritual manifestations. You know, literally the, the, the rendering of this, 
this sentence here. It says, now concerning spirituals, you know, we added the word gift there, but it doesn't really say that in the original language. It says, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, the word ignorant there, it's an important word. It doesn't mean stupid. It means uninformed. So he's not calling anybody stupid, nor am I. He's saying, but I, want you to, I don't want you to be uninformed. I, I want you to understand that there's, there's these things that we're talking about are gifts, gifts that come from God. They're special abilities. I guess if you're a note taker, if you lock that into your memory, spirituals are special abilities that aren't human in the sense. They don't come from, you know, you're not going to go to college and go, hey, you know, you got a class on spiritual gifts so I can study this and, you know, pick which one I want. Um, you can desire them, but are you okay with, you know, I love that expression that says, God gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. So you don't try to do something that God's not called you to do, but that you trust God to bestow upon you what he desires. Verse 2, he says, you know that you were Gentiles. You know, that was non-Jewish people. So if you read that in scripture, it's a non-Jewish person. He said, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Because you have to understand, you know, Corinth was, you know, a place of pagan worship. They worshiped anything and everything but God, the God of heaven and earth. And, and obviously, how many have ever uh, seen a Ouija board? You ever heard like people go, hey, if you use a Ouija board that you open yourself up to evil spirits. And I was talking with my oldest sister uh, last week when she was here because she had one when, when, we, when she was in high school. She got one. And it never moved. I mean, it never did. You know, we would play with it, you know, and stuff. And you'd, you'd kind of, whoo. And it like, it like some, they'd sit there for hours. You know, their, their thing when they were growing up and it was, it's definitely demonic. You know, don't want to make light of that. You're, you're playing with fire, not even knowing. It was just, you know, supposedly this innocent little thing, right? And, man, you're opening up a door into the spirit world that, you know, you want to be, <laughs> if we understood, you know, exactly what it is, man, you wouldn't even, even go there at all. They would have seances, and all of a sudden they would try to conjure up, you know, spirits. And, man, she, when she became a Christian, man, she repented of that. It was like, man, I didn't want that. I got rid of that thing, you know, thinking that it was just a game that you played when people came over, and it's not a game. Well, those that were in Corinth, that was their lifestyle, man. They, they saw manifestations of evil. They really did, you know, and, and people that go, oh, they had seances, and there's really people that have played with the Ouija board, and the Ouija board does move across all by itself, not by itself, but it's an evil spirit that actually moves it. You go, there is, you know, Paul said, don't, don't worry about all the things that you see, he goes, those things are all passing away, right? He says, it's the things that you don't see that are eternal. There's a spirit world there. You know, I was sharing on Sunday, one of the good things about the spirit world is to understand that we all have guardian angels, right? That's awesome to know. Some of you have one, you know, some of you have two, some of you, who knows? You go, man, I'm like a cat. If I had nine lives, you go, well, there went nine angels, you know, in that regard, protecting you. But the, this church at Corinth, man, they were open to all kinds of evil things. So they'd seen all these things. And what does Paul say to him? He says, but you were just carried away by these dumb idols. He goes, it's just being dumb. Dumb, opening yourself up to that. Verse 3 goes on, it says, and therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the devil can say the words. That's not what he's talking about. It's just like, can somebody say that they're a Christian and not really be a Christian? Yeah, can somebody say, oh, I know I'm going to heaven because, you know, I love God and not love God? You know, so it's not just that you say the words there. No, really, if it matches, you know, the life of Jesus, you know, then we know the Holy Spirit's at work there. If it doesn't, you know, then it's obviously, you know, Scripture tells us that Satan himself, he disguises himself as an angel of what? Light. Yeah. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, I mean, is he going to be, you know, have a red cape and a pitchfork and some horns sticking out of his head and people go, oh, it's the Antichrist. They go, no, what is he going to be? He's going to be a man of peace. 
See, everything that the world needs today, isn't it? They go, man, we, we need peace, right? And what's he going to bring? In the midst of all this chaos, he's going to bring peace. And the world is going to bow down to him. The difference between his peace and Jesus' peace, the peace of God lasts forever. His peace is temporal. It's to get what he wants. We want the peace of God. Verse 4 goes on, it says, And there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. I mean, understand this, a lot of different gifts, but the same spirit. You know, 26, 27, 28, you know, spiritual gifts that we see listed in Scripture there, and maybe, maybe even more. You go, but different gifts. And Paul, you know, wants to show us that, you know, there's a variety of different gifts but there's a unity that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the, in the bestowing of those gifts and the exercising of those gifts. And like I said, you know, unity doesn't happen, you know, because, you know, we possess a gift. Unity happens because we possess Jesus, because we possess the Holy Spirit. And it's so important that we understand that because it's not, you know, that we're hoping that, hey, if we teach on spiritual gifts, that's going to that's gonna make us unified. And you go, no, that happens because, you know, we're in Christ. That's happened because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The gifts are an opportunity for us to manifest him, is to exercise those gifts in our life that he's placed there that deepen not only our love and our faith, but give us an opportunity to minister to one another. You know, it's easy to come into church and do your own thing. And I mean, people do, they go, oh, I, I like going to a church where I can just be autonomous. You know, I hear that all the time. I just want to go to church and be autonomous. I want to go to a big church where nobody knows who I am so I can be autonomous. But you can't, and I don't mean a Tom, no, it's not autonomous, that you just go, that I can just get in and get out. And is there anything in Scripture that would lead us to believe that that would ever glorify God? That the goal of the body of Christ is getting in and getting out? And you go, no. Because our lives aren't our own. We exist for Him. To minister as He would lead us. And whatever that would take to do. Verse 5 says, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. That's really, you know, the key here. A different, you know, in the different ministries or services, you know, that, that the Holy Spirit bestows upon us to minister in the life of the church. We don't, don't all do the same work. You know, have you ever heard that expression, you know, if everybody in my church was just like me, what kind of church would my church be? And would you even attend it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, some of you are honest, and I appreciate that. No, we love diversity. We, we love the fact that people are different. That's what the, it's the curiosity, you know, of how that works in our life. But the same Lord, that we're doing it for the same reason. Why are we exercising the gifts? Is it to be seen of men? Because isn't that what the Pharisees did? They go, oh, I, I want to be the pastor. I want to be up in front because I want to be seen. And then Jesus came out and he goes, no. He goes, the greatest amongst you is, is who? The servant. Yeah. And he goes, matter of fact, the guy standing up there, the gal that's standing up there, he goes, they incur what? A stricter judgment. He goes, be careful what you ask for. You might just get it. But exercise the gift that God has for you. Seek that. Verse 6 goes on, it says, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in all. So again, what that's saying is that the gifts of the Spirit look different from person to person. They're not even the same. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll hear people, they'll try to emulate somebody that they, they like, and so they'll, they'll copy their, their mannerisms or even their voice, and you're going, man, that just sounds like so-and-so, you know? You know, just be you. You know, God created you, unique. He made you the way that you are for a reason. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He loves you. You know, I love that expression. We were all born originals, but most of us die copies. If you're going to copy, at least copy Jesus. That's, that's really, should be the goal. And again, 
Unity isn't, exper isn't experienced by the exercising of spiritual gifts. Unity is experienced by being filled with the Holy Spirit. We just can't, can't forget that. Verse 7 goes on. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. What does that say there? It's given to each one for what reason? For the profit of what? Of all. Yeah. So when we're praying about, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're praying about that, that manifestation. God, manifest your gifts in our midst for the purpose of everybody that's here, for the profit of all, not just for one person. I'm not trying to impress, you know, it's like, you know, uh, coming to church and you're, you're dating someone and you go, man, Lord, I would really like to exercise this gift so this girl would really think I'm somebody, you know, right now. If you, if you could just, you know, give me like a word of knowledge, just, you know, not a, doesn't have to be a big one either. Just that she knows that, yeah, I'm a godly man, you know. So God does that, you know, and all, he just comes on you all of a sudden you're like Moses, you know. <laughs> what was that? You know, was that a tongue? And you no, it was called fear, you know, okay, all right. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 8 goes on, it says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. So there's the word of wisdom, what? The supernatural power to speak with some divine insight, right? It could be if you're solving a problem, you know, with somebody, it's one of those things where, have you ever, by a show of hands, have you ever been, ministering to a brother or sister in Christ and you said something that was not even really knowledgeable to you but as you said it you actually were impressed with what you were saying you know you go isn't that cool when that happens and you go and you even wowed yourself right that's called a wow moment you go wow and then they go what's that you know because they're thinking that you knew what you just said and you're going I have no idea what I just said I just opened my mouth and it just came out and they go, well, does that mean it's any good? And you go, yeah, just give all the glory to God because really it was so awesome. You go, I just told you something. They go, well, you have to determine that. Did it help you? And they go, yeah, very helpful. Does it line up with God's word? Yeah. And you go, well, then take that, you know, word, a word of wisdom, something that, you know, God does, God says, God speaks through you in that moment. It's being what I love to call naturally supernatural. It's just being open, you know, to God. And like I said, some of you, you've already exercised that and you know that. And did it bring you joy in that moment? And didn't you get mad because you forgot about what you just said like moments later? You go, man, if I could have just written that down, I could have written a book about it. I could have, I could have made lots of money. And then you go, and all of a sudden it's gone. Lord, what was that? Or you lay in bed at night. You get a, God gives you a word of wisdom for a situation that you're dealing with and it fixes it even in your own mind. He gives you that wisdom. And you go, oh, I don't need to get up and write it down. It's so awesome. I'll remember it. You go, what is it? Remember, it's a manifestation. Manifestation. Manifest and then does what? It's gone. Surely the Lord was in this place. And what did Jacob say? And I knew it not. My hope is as we get together, you know, on these first Wednesdays of the month is that we start recognizing, you know, how the Holy Spirit starts to, starts to work. A word of knowledge. You know, again, the, the power to communicate information that's been divinely revealed. You ever read of like pastors go, you know, there's a person here tonight and you're doing this and they call you out, you know, sin. They, God gives them a word of knowledge. Wouldn't that be so awesome if God just right now gave me a word of knowledge about every single one of you and the sin that's in your life? And I could just start in the front row with Paula and then go to Jimmy and then Kat, you know, well, man, he doesn't have any sin. So uh, it would... I have to skip him. But uh, no, it would, you go, and all of a sudden people are doing this, you know. Man, there's some great, great stories of pastors where got words of knowledge and it brought revival to the people, just like it did in Jesus' time, calling them out. Pray for that one. Pray that God would give you words of knowledge. Yeah, hey, I've got a word of knowledge right now. So-and-so, they're doing this. You know. But you better know that it's true, otherwise it's slander, and then you go to jail. So think about it. Verse 9 says, and to another faith by the same spirit, and to another the gifts of healings by the same spirit. You know, faith, what is, you know, we talk about faith. Faith is the assurance, right? Faith is that ability to move mountains, you know, that you have, you just go, I oh, mean, I believe this. And have you ever had someone in your life that had faith for you more than you had for yourself? Yeah, it's one of the great ways, because remember, it's for the profit of all. 
is that they had faith. They believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. They believed that God was doing something that you didn't even believe. And it, and it benefited you. That's one of the great things about faith. That it's not just according to only that person's faith. Did Jesus, you know, at, at times he'd say, according to your faith, let it be so. And then there were other times they had no faith at all. And Jesus healed them. And then you go, that's how the Holy Spirit operates. Sometimes, yes, it'll be based on your faith. Other times, no. It's just God giving us that ability in that moment where you go, wow, I just, I just can't believe that, you know. Allowing that to happen. You know, I think, you know, someone that comes to mind that had great faith, if you, and if you haven't read his, his life story, you need to read it, is George Mueller. I mean, it's just a, a classic example. I mean, this guy... I mean, without ever making a public acknowledgement of what the need was, he just did it through prayer. And he ministered to over 10,000 orphans for 60 years. And everything that he asked for, he just asked God. He would never tell a person like, hey, you know, I need this or this or this. He would just go to God. And God supernaturally, you know, would do whatever it is that the needs were. Because he trusted God. He just had great, great faith. And it's encouraging to know that, you know, and can our faith increase? Yes. Faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we hear the word of God, the more we, you know, again, we, we receive it and we believe that God's capable and that he's more than able. And all of a sudden you go, God, you can do it. And then it's like, God, do you want to do it? And then hearing, you know, what God says. Verse 10 goes on, it says, to another, the working of, of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. You know, working of miracles. By definition, you know, it could be casting out demons out of people, praying over them, raising the dead. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? What was the movie we just, uh, we just saw that we sponsored? I'm drawing a blank on it. Breakthrough. Breakthrough, right? So here's a mom with great faith, right? She's in there and, you know, even the doctors give it up. And she prays and all of a sudden what? Her son comes back to life. The gift of prophecy. And this is usually, you know, in its primary sense, is a direct you know, revelation from God, then it's transmitted to other people. One of the ways that, it, you know, it happens in a church where it's wrong is someone will speak in a tongue. And when they speak in a tongue, then someone will say that they're interpreting that tongue and they'll, they'll say that this is what God is saying to the congregation. And that wouldn't be biblically accurate because a tongue always 100% of the time is either a prayer or praise directed to God. God never speaks in a tongue to us as a word of prophecy. You can prophesy, but you don't need a tongue to prophesy. God just gives you the revelation. It's, it, unfortunately, it happens on a lot of fronts and people confuse that. You know, they'll say, well, this is, you know, so if someone's interpreting a tongue accurately, it'll always be directed towards God. And God doesn't speak in a tongue towards his people. That's just one of the unfortunate things that happens, you know, with it. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not working there. It doesn't mean the person's not sincere. It could be that there was a tongue and there was a prophecy. But the tongue will never be interpreted in a prophetic way that it's actually directed towards us as individuals. You know, tongues, every time we see it in Scripture, is always directed to God either in prayer or in praise to God. And that's just one of the things we'll, we'll study through that, walk through it as we go. Um, prophecy, you know, is twofold. It's either uh, foretelling future events, and we won't get into all the detail of that. It's just, you know, obviously when you prophesy about things that are still yet to come, we see that in Scripture. But then there's also the word foretelling. Every time we open up the Word of God, uh, it's prophetic. It's foretelling. It's telling us the plans and the purposes of God. So prophecy is always uh, active in the life of a church whenever the Word of God is being taught. And, you know, like I said, tongues is ultimately, you know, it's, it's a prayer language for the most part. It's something that we do to edify ourselves. 
it, until it's interpreted, it can't edify the body of Christ. When someone's speaking in a tongue, like I said, no one understands it. So the person is edifying themselves. But when it's interpreted, then it can edify. So that's why Paul says, when there's a tongue, let it be by no more than two or three and let there be an interpretation. Because remember, the, the reason for the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to do what? Is for the building up or the edification of what? All of us, yeah. So that's when we come together. You can exercise the gift of tongues in your prayer closet all the time, and I would encourage you to do that and edify and build up yourself in your most holy faith. But when we come together, we do that for the purpose of edifying and building up one another. And so, again, as we walk through this, you know, verse 11, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so, as we'll end with this tonight, you know, I want you to think about this. Is But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You know, so understand this, there's nothing wrong. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. So understand this, you know, the best gift is the gift that's needed right now. Whenever we come together, we might not even know what that is, but I can tell you, you know, the Holy Spirit does. And so when we pray is that we come with that openness. We come with, Lord, whatever you desire to do that. I hope that that's how we would come to church all the time. And I hope that, that, you know, that the Lord develops that kind of pliability in us. They go, Lord, I don't know what you want to do today, but God, use me. Use me. Use my life. However you want. Pour out your spirit. Manifest yourself. I want to be open to that. And I close with this then. If you're here tonight and you go, you know, Pastor Mike, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I want, I want spiritual gifts. I want God to pour out his spirit in my life. How do I, how do I do that? Luke chapter 11, verses five through 13, Jesus tells us this. He says, and he said to them, he says, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer him from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And this is Jesus saying, he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and here's the clincher, how much more? Or your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him. To all who ask him. And so I want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. And if you've never received the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you, you received the Holy Spirit when you were saved. But maybe you're here tonight and you go, but I've never, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know what my spiritual gift or gifts are. That's okay. There's no problem with that. The, the key is tonight, before you go, are you open to what God has for you? Or are you locked into your theology? They go, oh, God can't do that. I, I, you know, I got that all the, the day that I got saved. But, but, his, but you believe, you go, no, God can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. And I just want more of him. And I want him to have more of me. You know, people can say, yes, when we got Jesus, we got all of him. We got all of his forgiveness. We got all of his love. He's not withholding any of that. I, I hope you understand when I say more of him is, you know, is there things in my life that, that when they go out of my life, that makes more room for the movement of God in my life? And I think we all understand that. But if you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, God wants to baptize you tonight. He wants to fill you with the Spirit. He wants to bestow upon you gifts. He wants you to begin to recognize what those gifts are. And as he moves in your life, that you wouldn't be afraid or that you wouldn't be ashamed. So we know the original evidence. I want you to understand this. The original evidence. I know some of you from your background, you've heard something else. The original evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not speaking in other tongues. 
the original manifestation of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would be when the Holy Spirit came upon you, he said, you would do what? You'll have boldness. You won't be afraid. You'll go, I'll be bold. There's a, there's a power now that's, that's in you, a boldness to, to walk in the things that God has for you. And he wants to bless our lives. He wants to pour out his gifts. You read that in Luke. He said he gives the Holy Spirit to all who what? Ask him. And so as we close, if you are asking him tonight, then receive it. Believe it in faith and receive what he has for you. And I'm going to invite Isaac uh, to come back up. And as we pray, if you need to go, like I said, I know I've gone over 8 o'clock tonight, but I knew that uh, we probably would. If you need to go um, after we close in prayer, feel free. Um, We're just going to stay here for a few moments and just worship the Lord and just wait upon him. Father God, we come before you, and Lord, I thank you, uh, Lord, for each person here tonight. Lord, I don't know what they expected. Uh, Lord, uh, I hope and pray that, Lord, all we expect is, Lord, whatever, Lord, you desire to do in our midst. Lord, we just want to be open. I know more than anything else, you, you tell us in your word, you don't want us to be conformed to the world. You don't even want us to be conformed to the church. You want us to be conformed, Lord, by your spirit working in our life. You said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, we want our minds to be open to all that you have for us. And so, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for being rigid towards you. Lord, not being open to, Lord, your movement in our life. For living in fear fear of of what others might say or think of us or fear that someone might harm us or hurt us if, Lord, we we truly live the way that we, we see and believe that we should. God, pour out your spirit tonight on your bride, your church. Make us bold, Lord, for you. And Father, I pray that, Lord, for each person here that has yet to experience the baptism with your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would fall afresh on us that you would fall in such a way that, Lord, we would know, Lord, that you're here. That you would edify, Lord, your church. That you would build up every single one of us, Lord, in our most holy faith. That we would enjoy, Lord, these moments with you. And that, Lord, we would grow in the knowledge of Jesus in our life. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for loving us like you do. Lord, fall in this place, Lord. Fall afresh on me. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen.